Welcome to the Rock Church Audio Podcast. We are so glad that you joined us today. Rock Church is located on Harrison Avenue between Mulford and Perryville Roads in Rockford, Illinois. Now let's join Pastor Jared with today's message. Luke chapter 10. You're already there, you're looking at it, and uh, you're seeing something that looks very familiar because these uh, four verses that we will be looking at are the lead up to the parable of the Good Samaritan. We're going to kind of talk about these verses today. Next week we will get into uh, the uh, parable of the Good Samaritan, but why don't you join me in looking at verse 25. Luke records these words, he says, and behold, A certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, and with all of your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered rightly. Do this, and you will live. And then in verse 29, but he wanting to justify himself said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? This is an interesting exchange or conversation that Jesus is having with this man. And you can tell that he is a lawyer. You know, Luke identifies that fact, but uh, the very fact that so many questions (laughs) are being asked in these uh, short uh, verses indicates the fact that uh, you know the man kind of had a motive in regards to what he was hoping to justify in this conversation, and that his background uh, as a lawyer was one that was um, causing him to ask uh, many questions of Jesus, so that uh, he could justify and validate uh, the condition of his heart and how he felt. He should live his life. And, and, and just look at it here, just in four verses. Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And then Jesus replies, what is written in the law? What is your reading of it? And then he gives that, and then he says, uh, who is my neighbor? And this is all a test. A test to justify uh, the convictions that already existed in the uh, life and the heart of this man who was uh, a lawyer. And the the last question is where we're going to place our focus today. And the question is, who is my neighbor? It it says it was not only a test, but he was asking the question, who is my neighbor to justify something? And I think that what the lawyer was wanting to justify was this desire to only do what he had to do and no more. In other words, he's He's asking Jesus, where is the line in regards to love so that I can come up to the line and only do what I have to do? And I think that these questions are coming from other questions that the man had been pondering. Questions like this, do I have to love everyone? I think he was perhaps pondering a similar question to that in this, that if there is a neighbor that I must love, is there also a non-neighbor that I do not have to love? Jesus, where is the line regarding love? Because I want to come up to it, but I don't want to exceed it. I don't want to enter 
into it in a way that would consume the whole of who I am. I want to do the bare minimum. So Jesus uses this conversation to teach us about love. And I want to remind you this morning that in the life of a believer, love is not theoretical. It is not a myth or a fairy tale. It's not an illusion that is out there that we strive for or extend a, a, a reach out to so that we can grasp it. But rather, love in the life of a believer is a reality. It is something that is received from our Heavenly Father. It is to be modeled and practiced in our life in a very a practical way that demonstrates the fact that we have received God's love. And then because of that, I see what we are about to look at this morning as a declaration. A declaration in this sense. I once was looking for love, but now I have found it. And because of that, I can tell you where it is found. See, and I want you to kind of think about love in that way as you look at your own life today. That, that before you knew Christ, you were looking for it. Now that you know Christ, you have found it. And because of that, your life is a declaration that love can be found. That love can be found. So let's uh, kind of affirm that in our lives today. And we'll, we'll, we'll do that by beginning with the last question the man asked, who is my neighbor? And why are we going to start there? Well, that question really reveals the heart. Because if you're looking to have a narrow definition of who your neighbor is, you are not looking to love. And I think that uh, when the man asked that question, there was a little something that leaped with joy in the heart of Jesus. Because he was like, finally, I'm going to get to talk about this. Because his answer is, is addressing a, a reality of the day that had strayed away from what God had declared even within the law about love. Jewish rabbis had been debating the question, who is my neighbor for centuries? Essentially, from the giving of the law, this was a question that was, was being asked. And the teachers were debating, what is the right answer? And at the time, people believed that only a select group of people qualified for the status of being my neighbor. It comes from Leviticus chapter 19 verse 18 which says you shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the children of your people but you shall love your neighbor as yourself i am the lord so the the rabbinical interpretation of that is one that began to narrow the definition of love within the the, the people of israel and it flowed from their interpretation of the word neighbor here. Because in the Hebrew here, the word neighbor is a synonym for the words brother or people. And because of that, 
many of the teachers of the day were teaching that one's neighbor was really only a fellow Israelite. If you were a Jew, you were considered a neighbor. If you were a Gentile, you were not. And because of that, there was a double standard in relation to who we were called to love. And then over the centuries, the, the, the rabbi's interpretation of the Sabbath law took this conviction to a whole new level. And I'm going to tell you this, and you're not going to go, uh-uh, there ain't no way. And I'm going to tell you this is historical truth. I've, I've looked at it from a number of different sources because every time I read this, I have a response that says, you're kidding me, right? So they took this to a whole new level, the fact that they only needed to love their, uh, their, their, their um, uh, fellow citizens. They began to exercise that in this way. If a wall fell on someone on the Sabbath, okay, it was okay to clear away enough rubble to see if the individual was a Jew or a Gentile. So think about this. It'd make you want to avoid walking next to walls on the Sabbath, you know. And um, if the uh, individual were a Jew, it was okay for him to be rescued. But if he were a Gentile, he must be left there until the next day. So who is my neighbor? Uh, it's, it's, it's only uh, my fellow Israelite. And uh, to the degree that if, if you are a foreigner or a Gentile and you find yourself in a situation of needing rescue, you're going to have to wait until the next day if it happens on the Sabbath. In the days of Jesus, the Pharisees took this uh, to an even greater extreme because they believed that only fellow Pharisees were their neighbor and were those whom they were called to love. So if you were even a Jew but not a Pharisee, you were one who was not to be loved to the level that even the law stated. And in Luke chapter 10 and throughout the ministry of Jesus, Christ confronts this mindset, he changes the conversation, and he raises and sets a new standard. Because listen to his words in Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 and 44. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. The words of Jesus reminding us of who our neighbor is and how we are called to love them. He changes the mindset. He sets a new standard. So according to Jesus, uh, love is not an obligation directed towards a select group of people who are like-minded or of the same ethnicity. But rather, love is something we practice and demonstrate to both neighbor, friend, and enemy 
alike. So who is my neighbor? When Jesus talks about loving your neighbor, he is referring literally to those who are around you. Not the way that we think of the word neighbor in that it's the person that lives next door. But he broadens the circle to remind us of this truth that we are called to love those whom we interact with. Whether they speak the same language, come from the same culture, have the same background, we are called to love them. And here is... um, what that love looks like. So the language here gets very, very specific. It involves helpfulness. So in other words, if you see a wall falling on somebody, you know, come to their rescue and their aid. But it also involves sincerity in the sense that it is flowing from a heart that has been changed. And it is not just good works, but there is a divine love flowing from your life to the degree that you are doing what you are doing, not to feel good about yourself, but because you genuinely love and care for the person. And that love and care is demonstrated through the deepening of relationship and compassion is what the language refers to so that's what it is now let me tell you what it's not because you know sometimes you just have to look things in the eye don't you you know the flesh wants to rise up it wants to respond in a certain way Uh, maybe you have a a tendency towards a certain reaction And, and, and when that happens you need to look it in the eye and you need to say that is That is not who I am. Because loving our neighbor does not involve being judgmental, critical, prejudiced, or exclusive in regards to who we extend love and compassion to. I think we we need to think about this for a second. Let me read it again. Loving our neighbor as we are called to love them, it does not involve being judgmental, critical, prejudice, exclusive in regards to who we extend love and compassion to. Because you see, we live in a time when it has become normal to base relationship on agreement. We become partisan. We become uh, divided into camps of agreement. And if, if someone is not fully in your camp, the, the culture of the day says contest them, put them down, cancel them, eliminate them, destroy them, tear them down. And Jesus reminds us by virtue of the way that He lived that we as the people of God are called to cross lines. We're called to enter into circles where we are not welcome. 
to have conversation with those who don't agree with us. And to do what we do from a position of love. You see, the the day that we live in wants us to react more than we respond. And I want to tell you that, you know, Jesus, He went into the home of sinners and outcasts. And He did it because He loved them and because there was a kingdom that was coming that put in front of them the reality that reminded them of this. You are sick, and I'm the doctor. You are lost. And I have come to share a truth that will change the direction of your life. And we, 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 we've, got to, we've got to understand this reality. Because what we see happening in the natural is flowing from a spiritual agenda that wants the church to be silent and loveless. That is wanting the church to be sidelined and not engaged. That is wanting you to hide in your home and to not be going onto the, into the streets and in the marketplace. Because if we are idle in those places, the kingdom is not revealed. Who is my neighbor? It is everyone that I interact with, including those who don't like what Jesus has done in me. We need to respond and not react. Go and not withdraw. And do it out of love. So who is my neighbor? And now how do I love them as myself? Verse 27. The lawyer answers correctly. He knows the law. He knows what has been given to the people from God. He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and, you, and, your, and love your neighbor as yourself. I think we, sometimes we see that, we hear that, we ponder that. When we, we, we draw the conclusion, this seems impossible. It's like, you know, there's, there's a standard being placed upon my life that, that I can't meet. And, and then maybe there's even a little bit of discouragement that comes in when we read this. You know, you read the word all, 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 all. And I want to encourage you today, look at it from a different view. Because we're right, we can't do it in our own strength. Our, 
Our flesh is powerless to fulfill that commandment. But with Christ as our helper, it moves from being a pass and a fail proposition to something that is a pursuit. A pursuit. In other words, you know, I want to be able to look at my life and to say, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm loving with more all than I did yesterday or a year ago. I'm inviting the work of the Lord into my life. I'm, 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 I'm chasing the things that He has put in front of me. There's a, there's a pursuit here. There's a, a journey that is underway. And as a part of that journey, I'm entering into more. I'm, I'm, I'm conforming to more. I'm becoming more like don't look at it as a pass and a fail, but look at it as a pursuit. And then know this, you're not going to love your neighbor as yourself without loving the Lord your God. That's the collective meaning that is here. See, the standard that we're called to live by is to not love God with only a part of ourself. But to measure every thought, every emotion, every feeling, every word, every action. And to say, is, is, is this something that draws me closer to Him and expresses my love to Him because I want to please Him and I want to honor Him? We're to pursue our love for Him in every aspect. And then what flows out of that is loving our neighbor as ourselves. That's why... One thing is put first, and the other thing follows. So what does that pursuit look like? I want to give you uh, a few things here that will help us to define it. We're called to love God with an exclusive love. We're going to pursue the all. Which there's an exclusive love that will be uh, defining, and we see that in Matthew six twenty four. It says, "You know, no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and and then the word uses is is mammon, which means evil." Matthew six twenty four. The the, the our loving God with all involves an exclusive love in church i want to i want to remind you of this today we we, we we think of god and his love and we think of his kindness and his mercy and his grace and his compassion and those are all parts of his love and his character and his attributes but i want to also remind you that he loves you with a jealous love He wants to be your all in all. Exclusive, not shared. And I think sometimes we, we kind of tremble when we think of His jealous love. And we have a hard time reconciling it and saying, how does that line up? And, 
And, and how does that work with all of the other things that I know about his love? In fact, they might even seem as though they're in competition to one another. And maybe it creates this confusing, confusing picture about God's love. And I, and I want to I help you understand why God is jealous for your love. see a picture of it in Proverbs 6, uh, uh, verses 12 through 19. We're not going to read that. You can read that uh, this week in your devotional time. It, it is um, a period of, 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 of Scripture that outlines you know, some things that the Lord can, he hates. And they're all sins. And, and he hates them. And he's, he's jealous for us. Not in the way that man is hateful or jealous. Because the jealousy of God or, or, or God's hatred, it's, 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 it's focused very clearly and very specifically. And it's not um, spiteful. It's not petty. It's not filled with hypocrisy. But rather, it is a reaction. It is a reaction of His love and His holiness towards sin. And He is jealous for us because He does not want to see sin active in our lives. And He hates sin because He hates evil. God being good hates what is evil. And because of that, in His his anger is a, is, a, is a loving and a holy hostility towards evil and the things that separate us from Him. In other words, think about this. The Lord doesn't play around with the things that separate you from Him. But He responds boldly to them. And His love is jealous towards us because he wants a depth of relationship with you that is exclusive. He longs to be in fellowship with you and to deliver you from evil. Is that how, not how we were taught to pray? Lord, deliver us from evil. So there's an exclusive love that... Um, uh, has to be in operation in our lives as we endeavor to love our neighbor as ourself. And it's a loyalty to God. It's forsaking any ambition that compromises your commitment to Him. And then that's followed by loving God with a surpassing love. Luke fourteen twenty six. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brother and sister, yes, in his own life, he cannot be my disciple and you're saying wow pastor you're really um you're, you're you're really handling the hard stuff today Conf that one can be somewhat confusing i remember as a young believer when i first read that i went what how can i be told in the ten commandments to honor my mother and father and then told in the gospels to do something that appears to compete with that. Sounds harsh. It's not an exhortation to hate our family, but it's, it's, it's an exhortation that puts our earthly 
relationships in perspective. Every earthly relationship is lower than or subordinate to our relationship with God. We love Him with a surpassing love. It surpasses the love that we demonstrate in our earthly relationships. And here's the reason why. Our earthly relationships are enhanced and strengthened when we are loving Him with a surpassing love, when we are close to Him. You want to, you, you want to love your, your father or your mother, your wife or your children, your brother or your sister more? Put God first. And those relationships will be strengthened and enhanced. Let's keep moving. We love God with an exclusive love. We love Him with a surpassing love. But then we love Him with an obedient love. John 14, 11. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him, Jesus says. To obey is to honor. Um, obedient love indicates that we believe that what Jesus is telling us is true. We read the commands of Scripture and believe them to not be true. We are not going to obey them. And this is one of the primary ways that Satan works against the people of God. He wants you to doubt God's Word. And it's been that way from the very beginning. You can go all the way back to Genesis chapter 3 in verse 1. The serpent is beginning temptation and he does so with these words. Has God indeed said? You see, Satan works and he wants you to doubt God's Word. Because if you doubt it, and if you don't believe it to be true, you will not apply it or obey it. And we need to see that strategy for what it is. It's a lie. So there is this tug of war that takes place every time we open the Scripture. On one hand, we have our loving Heavenly Father who gives good things, who is revealing truth to us. And then we have an enemy of our soul who's wanting to try to convince us that what we are reading is not true. As God indeed said. I want to take you to another verse here that um, we weren't uh, planning on, but I want you to gain a fresh picture of what happens when you open God's Word. 
2 Corinthians 3.18. I just want to encourage you to write that down and look at it and spend some time in it this week because um, it's, 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 it's revelatory in the sense of it gives us a clear picture of what happens when we read the Scripture. Paul tells the church in Corinth, but we all with unveiled faces, beholding as in a mirror the glory of God, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So we look to God's Word. We see a reflection. We look into the truth. And when we see the truth, we behold the glory of God. We see Him for who He is. The things that can change us and transform us and make us more like Him are being revealed to us. And we're told that as we do that, there is an increasing glory that comes upon us. And that we don't remain the same, but we are changed. And the enemy knows this. And as we read the truth of Scripture, he's wanting to whisper into your ear, Hasn't God indeed said? Is that really what the Lord means? Is this, is this true? This can't be true. You know what? Shut it down. And you speak to that power. I am going to love God with an obedient love. Because I believe He tells And then we, um, we love God with a persevering love. James 1.12 Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. See, one of the greatest examples of love is commitment. Because the, 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 the relationship that we have with the Lord is, is, is covenant and not contractual. We live in a contractual society. A society, a society that uh, creates loopholes and ways out in the event that something takes place that just doesn't sit well with us. But the relationship that we have with God and the relationship that He has with us is covenant. In that it is persevering, there is commitment. And it sounds an awful lot like what happened here on the stage yesterday. I'm going to forsake all others until death do us part. And then you know the phrase, for better, for worse, in sickness and in health. Commitment, commitment, commitment our love for the lord is to be a persevering love we must have an enduring love for god not one that is circumstantial but rather in all things choose to love him back because he's loving you through it all so why do what why, why, do we, why do we share that? Well, you know, we're not going to love our neighbor well if we're not loving God. And, you know, next week we're going to get into some more specifics about loving uh, our neighbor as ourselves because we're going to actually dive into that Good Samaritan parable. But I, I want you to kind of have a response settle into your heart right now.
Because sometimes as we, you know, receive things that kind of shine a light into our life, we, we, we pick and we choose or, and we look the other way. And I want a, a certain kind of heart to be demonstrated in all of us today. And uh, I want you to be like blind Bartimaeus. You can read his story in Mark chapter 10. It's, it's another fascinating interaction because in it, uh, you know, Jesus asked the same question a few times. And, and that question is, what do you want me to do for you? And the disciples give the wrong answer. <laughs> they, um, they give an answer that basically says, Lord, we want you to give us a position. Uh, they're, they're very short-sighted in their response. And then Jesus uh, has an interaction with, with blind Bartimaeus and asks him the same question. And his response is not one that declares that he wants position, but he says this, I want to see. I want to see. And then that's where I found my heart this week as I was processing some of that stuff. You know, Lord, who is my neighbor? And how do I love my neighbor as myself? And how does that flow out of a, 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 a living and vibrant relationship with you that is exclusive and surpassing and obedient and, and persevering? And the response that I saw in, in Mark chapter 10 was this. Start with Bartimaeus' answer. Lord, I want to see. I want to see you. I want to see where I'm at. Because I know that your heart wants to see me loving you more and loving my neighbor more. So Lord, I want to see. And let that be, let that be where your heart is today. You know, Lord, have I been exclusive? Have I been surpassing? Have I been obedient? Have I been persevering? You know, Lord, what has attached itself to my life over the last year that I need to shake off and break off and leave behind? I want to see. I want to see. And we have to start there because I, I just, you know, I, I want to be just very clear where we're heading next week. Because as we look at the parable of the Good Samaritan, and then we start to, to get a little bit more specific on what, what loving our neighbor looks like, we're going to be talking about how do we love people in crisis. And the reason for that is because there is crisis at a higher level in our country now than we've seen in a very long time. There are scary things that are skyrocketing. Depression. Divorce. Suicidal thoughts. Things that are indications of 
brokenness and deficits that only God can heal and fill. And you know what? God is wanting to use you and me to come alongside and to help some people through. So practically, what do we do this week? How do we, how, how, how do we come to the place where we're seen? In a moment, I want you to just be asking the Lord, how do I need to increase my pursuit? Lord, how do I need to increase my pursuit of you somehow this week? You know, do, I, do, I, do I need to start something new or do I need to pick up something I've put down? You know, maybe you were a part of a Bible study, a small group, a prayer group, a, a circle of community, and you've kind of pulled back from that. Maybe it's time to pick that up as a way to see and to pursue. Or maybe God wants to do something new in you. Be open to that. I want us to begin as a body to be thinking about loving our neighbor. You know, you know, leaving our 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 our, whole, our isolation in the confines of our homes and stepping out again and to love our neighbor. And as you do that, be a a facilitator and not a spectator. Does that sound familiar to you? You know, it was a year ago this week, 18 days to slow the curve. What in the world does that mean and, and, and what does that look like? And, 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 and what, what role do we have to play in that? Our board and our elders and our deaconesses a year ago were sitting around a table going, Lord, you need to give us wisdom. And you know, one of the things that we just, we put out there again and again and again was be a facilitator and not a spectator. Because here was the heart behind that. We were moving into our homes and we were putting services online and we were saying to you, we don't want you to just watch, but we want you to facilitate within your circle the things that need to be happening for you to have church and to encounter the presence of God. You'll remember this. We were giving you worship. We were giving you questions. We were giving you things to facilitate so that you could have a life-giving moment in your home and not just sit back and watch the screen. And you know, we need to continue to do that now. As we're moving forward and stepping out, be a facilitator and not a spectator because God is doing something. And He's inviting you to be a part of it. I'm amazed. I had a checkup a couple of weeks ago, routine thing. Sitting at the doctor's office and the nurse that comes in to, to do intake and get all the questions and answers and everything. What's one of the questions? Where do you work? And um, 
found out that young lady has been to our church. I never knew, I would not have known that had she not told me. I don't know when. And then boom, spiritual conversation. And then she's kind of talking about where she's at. Just listening and giving those little things that God is giving in the moment to share. And then at the end, just saying to her, you know what? Thank you. You have had a rough year. Working in a hospital, caring for sick people under everything that we've been through has had to be exhausting. Thank you. Love a neighbor. Make a difference in the life of someone around you. As our worship alluded to, worship is more than a song. Our lives are to be a living sacrifice. We're to imitate His love. Not just here, but out there. Let someone know that you care. And then I need, I need help. Emily, could you help me? You just happen to be in the right place. Could you step out into the foyer and grab one of the giveaways that are on the table and bring it to me? Thank you. Practically, how do we increase our pursuit? How do we love our neighbors? How are we making deposits? and not withdrawals. And then I want to ask you today to take a tool. Emily's bringing this tool. Thank you, Emily. We appreciate it. Take a basket today. Not because you like the color or you like the the way it looks. This is going to serve as a tool and an opportunity for all of us to do what the Scriptures call us to do. This basket is empty, with the exception of a couple of uh, pieces of paper. And one of them is this. Love my neighbor instructions. And we're just simply saying, take this basket, take it home, and fill it with some things that have been a blessing to you. Maybe you read something that was helpful, a scripture that was meaningful. Maybe you want to put something that you look forward to in it, like a nice batch of chocolate chip cookies. (laughs) Or if someone is, uh, you know, maybe still... Uh, you know, a little concerned, you know, about uh, COVID. You, you do something prepackaged. But the idea is fill this and take it to someone and love them and encourage them and be a blessing in their life. And then along with that is this uh, ticket. That's a, a ticket to Resurrection Sunday. That just says, you know, faith means a lot to me. And on Resurrection Sunday, we're preaching on living hope. 
living hope. And they can join us online or in person. And then if they have children, we want you to let them know that Pastor Patrick has a Lego night coming up. And we've, we've reconstructed and formatted that thing so that we can uh, accommodate uh, everyone wherever they are at on the COVID spectrum. But here is the thing. Make practical application today by increasing your pursuit, by being determined to love your neighbor, and taking a basket. Seems insignificant, but you know what? The Lord will use it, and your heart will connect with someone else. And then here's the promise of Jesus that we'll conclude with. Verse 28. It says, When we love the Lord our God with all, and we love our neighbor as ourself, he tells that lawyer, Do this, and you will live. You will live. In other words, lawyer. shouldn't be asking who is my neighbor but rather you should see yourself as a neighbor to everyone you meet and when the love of God flows from your life and you give to them the things that only come from him be the one taking the first step but, but what happens is just as good for you as it is for the other person and let's take that step together why don't you stand with me as we close Lord we just affirm some things as we conclude today. Lord, we we don't want to love like the world around us, but we want to love as you love. Lord, we want to we want to pursue you, love others. 
make a difference. And Lord, I just pray today that we would uh, that we would we would be like blind Bartimaeus that just says, Lord, I want to see. May we have spiritual vision today. May our hearts be liberated. May we be set free, Lord, to demonstrate your love to others. And I pray that whether it be through just taking someone a basket or some other means, Lord, give us that assignment and that creativity and that desire to take that step. thank you for your still small voice I pray for you to continue to speak Lord throughout the afternoon and the week and Lord as we go we go in your grace and in your peace I pray that you would watch over us and keep us I pray that your favor would rest upon us and may you, you smile upon us Lord God in every moment of every day as we look to you bring us back safely again. And we thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us on our podcast today. We hope this has been a blessing in your life, and we look forward to having you joining us in person for a service soon. Our service times are Thursday nights at 7 o'clock and two services on Sunday morning at 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. God bless you.